Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I am glad to be with you this morning. we got a couple of returning special guests with us. Well, this morning's discussion question is marriage, just a piece of paper. Uh, returning guest, Emil Bryant, if you will, King, say hello to the truth seekers and tell people a little bit of your background in the marital status because I think it applies uh, to this morning's discussion, if you will. But go ahead, King. Thanks a lot for being with us. Uh, the floor is yours. Appreciate you, King. Emil Bryant here. Um, I am uh, – Retired United States Air Force military officer. I served for over 20 years. I was married for 16 years the first time. I am now divorced in a happily committed relationship, however. And I see the world with a lens of truth, um, justice, and fairness for everybody involved. Now, absolutely. Glad to have you back, King. I have the special guest, returning guest as well, um, Aaron Mallory of the let it go podcast. Thanks a lot, King, for being with us. If you will say hello to the truth seekers as well and give a little bit of your background and your marital status in reference to this morning's discussion question, is marriage just a piece of paper? All right. Thank you for having me on. Uh, my name is Aaron Mallory, and I am an emotional attachment specialist. Uh, I teach people specifically how to let go of their past emotional attachment. And I've been married for, well, I was married, so I'm divorced now. And uh, me and my ex-wife have an amazing uh, family dynamic with our kids. And uh, I'm here to share uh, my viewpoint on marriage. 
Uh, glad to have you. And last but not least, the queen is here. The queen is here. <laughs> Carol thanks a lot, sis, for being back with us on this early Saturday morning. Thank you, queen, for being with us. Say hello to both of our guests, Emil and Aaron, and if you will, uh, say hello to the truth seekers and give people a little bit of your background and your marital status as well as I b- pretty much begged you to come on this show for me. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do this show without my sister. So I'm glad to have you back. You always bring a dynamic uh, viewpoint to, to any of our discussions, so I'm glad to have you back, Queen. But if you will, say hello to everyone. Hi, gentlemen. Hi, family. Good morning. I'm so excited to be on the show because you usually only have me on shows where we talk about sex. So this will probably end up being about sex. <laughs> but I'm so gonna, oh, trust me, we're going to get around to that. We're going to get around. <laughs> we'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio, so I can't help it. Um, so, a family, I am Carol Long, and I was previously married to my ex-husband for seven years, eight years, including the separation before our divorce, and it felt like 70 years, and, um, and not in a great way. And then I remarried the love of my entire life, my incredible, in 2015. We've been together for now 11 years, and it is the most amazing relationship and I'm so excited to talk about it on this show because I actually had a good conversation with him last night about this. So excited to share our perspectives. Yep, and I will second that motion. Her incredible is the most amazing guy and I've share my marital status. I've never been married. So we got the whole gamut here, divorced, married, never been married. So we got the whole gamut this morning, but I will vouch that her incredible is an amazing guy. If I'm half of him, there'll be a lucky there'll be a lucky woman one day because I'm definitely still looking and hoping to get married if I can put that out there, although I've never been married. Um to I'm gonna ask you all to do this, all of you to do it very quickly and we'll start back with you, Emil. Uh just the very first thought that you had when requested to be on this morning's show based on the discussion question itself. Is marriage just a piece of paper? Your very initial thought, don't go too in-depth. Just what did you think when I said, will you be on the show with me? Oh, no, he got me again. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely did tap you. I told you the insight to how I got you on the show. So so I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that and we'll pound on that as we go, as we get deeper into the show. Oh, sure. um, no, absolutely. And Aaron, as I told you, King, I asked you to come on the show because you are the reason we are doing this show. You put up a, a, a IG post that sparked me to say, you know what? Uh, I'm pretty sure some of my truth seekers out there listening are saying, damn, they keep touching this bearish topic quite often. I will say our first pillar at the Mental Dialogue Community Club is to encourage strong black families. So so if, if if y'all think we're doing this subject too much, I'll take the blame for it. But the real blame this morning goes to Aaron because he put up an amazing IG post that y'all will hear a little bit later in the show. And so for you, King, I asked you to say, hey, you mind coming on the show? Of course, you always agree pretty quick to it. But do you recall your first thought, even in the fact that you, again, you laid something out on your own? But when I said, will you come on my show, do you recall the first thought you had? Well, the first thought I had was I'm glad that this is being talked about more because a lot of men could easily uh, use the excuse 
Well, why, why, why we got to get married? Like, it's just a piece of paper. But guess what? So is money. Nah, fair enough. We'll definitely go more in-depth into that thought. And then, again, last but not least, my sister, uh, Carol, if you will, um, like you said, you might have to give away your thought that it wasn't about sex this time. But, <laughs> but what was your uh, first thought when I said, hey, hey, you know, Queen, help me do this particular show? Definitely want to enjoy your unique background, which you've already given some of it, but obviously it will come out more on the show. But do you recall your initial thought when I said, can you do the show with me? My initial thought was it absolutely is just a piece of paper. Cool. Hey, there Let's it is. And with that, that said... <laughs> Nah, that's great. I love it. I love it. Quick to the to the point, because we're going to go to this first break. When we come back, as always, we're going to get hot and heavy and deeper into the discussion. As to, as always, I ask that y'all listen. Um, coming out of the break, I'll be playing cuts that are that relate um, directly to the show. And um, we actually will start with you, Carol, coming out of the break, just to give you a heads up. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Well, to marry or not to marry is the million-dollar question. Thanks for being with us, Trav. Thank you, Danny. So tell me, is it just a bit of paper? A lot of people think it is. Just, and I guess it is. <laughs> I've done it many yeah. times. I've had the joy of marrying couples and I have announced, here's your certificate, hang this on the wall. Yeah? But the research keeps telling us it's more than a bit of paper. There's something about signing that paper yeah. in public it's got more than, it's not just a bit of paper. There's, it, it brings mm-hmm. something else with it. Yeah. What, what do you think that is, Traff? Like I remember I lived with my husband before we were married for a number of years and I tell you what, we went on our honeymoon mm-hmm. and we were booking into a motel and it was really interesting. Mark referred to me for the first time, you know, my wife. Mm. And there was something... Something happened to I you. I can't explain it. There was mm. just something, a chord struck, and it mm. was like almost the seriousness of mm. w- of what we'd just done in mm. a good way, you know, respect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're touching on it. There's something about, I think, commitment mm-hmm. that keeps coming through. Let me show you. There was a journal of marriage and family, a later study, where they were trying to look at um, 
what was the difference between same-sex couples mm -hmm. and married heterosexual couples in their marriages? Because the general belief was that same-sex couples' marriages or you know, relationships wouldn't last as long. Yeah. They did some research and found that generally, no, not true. And, and what they did, and I wanted to read this to you, Dan, it says married couples are dramatically more likely to stay connected than unmarried couples at all levels of relationship quality and at all relationship durations. That's very interesting, isn't, isn't it? It seems to fit with what you're saying. That, that bit of paper has something to say about we're going to sustain this journey. Now, we know not all couples mm -hmm. do, of course, but there, there does. It says, marriage is a uniquely important predictor of couple stability for both heterosexual and same-sex mm -hmm. couples. So there's something that just keeps coming through that says, hey, when we sign that bit of paper, we're signing up for, you know, mm -hmm. for a long time. And it, it, is it an anchor? It appears to be an anchor of some kind, Danny. It, it says, hey, we... Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Carol Long. This morning's discussion question, is marriage just a piece of paper? Our special guests are Neil Bryant and Aaron Mallory. Carol, we'll start with you as you hear that cut to suggest that, A, that piece of paper may, in a sense, serve as an anchor based on a few studies. But since you were the one to say, hey, it's just a paper, I'll let you explain, in a sense, your feelings and how you see it, uh, even in reference to the cut, but just your own personal thoughts on it. Go ahead, Queen. Yes, sir. So the first time I got married, um, we really tried to do things, quote, unquote, the right way. Like, we didn't have sex before we got married. So that actual day that we got married did signify quite a bit of change from our previous, um, you know, relationship. And so Maybe that felt a little bit more anchored, and I definitely felt more stuck, to be honest with you. Um, I probably should have left that marriage in the first six months. No, there's no probably. I should have left in the first six months. But because I was married, I was getting a lot of counseling and, you know, advice from people who were saying, hey, just hang in there, just stick with it, don't give up so quickly. And I should have followed my instincts. Glad I didn't because I learned a whole lot about being a wife. And now this time around, I told you my husband and I got married in 2015. We've been together since 2009. And the reason why I said it's just a piece of paper is because we were married and behaving as a married couple and were committed to each other long before we, you know, I walked down that aisle to meet him. And that was the indicator that this was the right person for me. And basically what he said last night was, if you're going to get married, you should already be a married couple, quote, unquote. You should already be behaving like a married couple. It shouldn't be this huge change or shift because that, that's maybe a little bit less natural. For Adrian and for me, we wanted to be married like two weeks after we got together because we knew that that's what we wanted to do. There were just some things, medical issues and things like that that prevented it. But we were, I mean, from the very beginning, we knew this is for the long haul. Basically, I told him if he breaks it, he buys it. And he broke it and he bought it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm just being honest and being truthful. So, you know, we knew from the very beginning what this was, and we were committed no matter what. And so the piece of paper just got – it allowed me to call myself Mrs. Long, which is really awesome. <laughs> now, I love it. And let me say this, and I want to hear um, Emil's thoughts coming after, after you, but let me just throw this out. You know, obviously we have a long history, <clears throat> and so um, 
and and as this show goes on, so I'll let say it now as an advocate of marriage, um, and and especially you know long time listeners, they always have heard me take that stance plenty of times. But I can say I was always good with you and Adrian. You know, to be as as in a sense as my sister, very worried about you the first time. You know what I mean? To the extent, right. you know, I, I I never you know obviously never wanted you to consider that guy and definitely would have helped you leave in six months if I could have. <laughs> I mean, just being very sincere with the first marriage, you know, again, having that right. history with you. Um, but, I, you know, I will say the, the concept that um, Adrian and you spoke about in reference to already behaving that way, I, I will say that I've seen that backfire for more than it worked for, but I definitely was never worried about you guys from day one, whether you got the paper or not. So that's just me, you know, just being sincere that I kind of see y'all as unique in that sense, not the only right. people to do it the way y'all have, but it doesn't seem to work out in my opinion that way. Emil, your thoughts on Carol and your own personal thoughts in reference to, to this, this morning's discussion question. Go ahead, Emil. Now, I, first of all, I love that story and uh, more power to you, sis. Uh, you did it the right way in my opinion. And that is you got to you fell in love with yourself and you knew that you had to be uh, your best version of yourself. And then all of a sudden, the man of your dream shows up and says, hey, what's up? And to me, um, the fundamental requirement of a healthy relationship is love of oneself. Like you can't get around that. And once you have love of self, then when you invite someone to share in that love, because that's what you're really doing, you're saying, hey, I love me. Would you like to love me, too? And then that person says, yeah, I would, and offers you the same deal on their side. And all those two people who are fully and completely in love with themselves in the context of self-image, self-respect, self-respect and self-worth, all of a sudden get themselves into a relationship that's formalized by the state. The state does not legitimize anything. The state simply gives legal rights to a couple that they would not have without that legal recognition. And that's where the piece of paper is so valuable, but it is not required for a healthy relationship. The requirement for a healthy relationship is not a piece of paper. The healthy relationship is what Carol just mentioned, is when two people choose to love themselves and then fall in love with each other. And then from that point, they know, because they understand who they are, that this is the one for me. After that, getting married is about being Mrs. X or not being Mrs. X, uh, but that's it, in my opinion. There's no more than that. Now, uh, fair enough. And I and I, the best thing I, that I heard you say, and Aaron, you're next, obviously. Uh, the best thing I heard you say was that concept of, as you said, someone loving themselves. And what, what I, I kind of equate that to is just the concept of two whole people coming together. And, and unfortunately, a lot of things that we see, because marriage, obviously, to a certain extent, gets disparaged in, in 2019 to a certain extent. And quite often, I, I, I offer that it's getting disparaged because we're watching, in a sense, dysfunctional people get together, and we kind of kind of highlight that to say marriage is all bad, whereas with the concept that you just laid out, Emil, will make more marriages work than not. Nothing, marriage is never a guarantee, and so when I say I'm an advocate of marriage, quite often people assume to include the dysfunctional um coming together, if you will, and, and, and to a certain extent, and, and nobody, comes to, nobody comes into the situation completely whole, so I don't want to, you know, put that myth out there as well, 
but you know, to a certain extent, there is a concept of surviving different levels of dysfunction if you can get it right prior to, in a sense, getting that paper. At least those are my thoughts. But Aaron, again, you are the reason that sparked this conversation. So you've heard a couple of thoughts from my co-host and our special guest, Neil. Um, if you will, King, let's hear your thoughts in reference to what they had to say in your own as well. Go ahead. All right, first, I just got to let you know, I'm still in that. I got That was so dope when you said, uh, I love me. Would you like to love me, too? That was that was amazing. So um, <laughs> what I have to say about marriage being a piece of paper is this. First of all, I, I agree with you guys, uh, with what you said, but um, a lot of times, mainly men, uh, they would come out and say, well, what's the big deal? Like, you know, we're together already, you know, like, why do we have to get this piece of paper that's going to justify our love? Well, uh, my angle to that is simply this. If marriage is just a piece of paper, money is just a piece of paper, uh, a passport is just a piece of paper also, you know, but in certain situations, you need all of these different pieces of paper in order to do something. But marriage, it you don't, right? So when it comes to something just being a piece of paper, to me, it's simply a contractual agreement to do what you said you were going to do. And just like with a car note, with a, with a house note, uh, with uh, a rental agreement, uh, with an apartment complex, all of these things are contracts. And if you fail to do what you actually said you were going to do, you have to deal with consequences that is in the contract that you agreed upon. Your Wi-Fi is a contractual agreement. When you download Instagram, you have to actually agree to Instagram's terms and agreement. So virtually everything, your, your cell phone provider, I can go on and on and on. Virtually everything that you deal with in your life, there's a contract involved. Even when you buy a car outright cash, it's still you have to sign a title over to the other person. So to the, a certain extent, and I know these are actual inanimate things, but at the end of the day, to me, the marriage in itself is a beautiful thing between two human beings, but the paper is actually meant to keep both people, mainly the woman, safe. Because if this man walks away from the family, most likely in most situations, the woman is the custodial parent. And if he decides to walk away from his family, it should be consequences to him doing that, just like it's consequences to you walking away from your mortgage because you don't want to pay your mortgage anymore. So that's my way of looking at it. Nah, fair enough. And, Neil, I'm going to let you jump on. I got, I got some thoughts about what he had to say, but I'm going to let you jump in right here. Any thoughts about how Aaron, in a sense, looks at this piece of paper in reference to marriage? Uh, respect to you, King. I appreciate that that outlook, and I'm going to um, challenge it a little bit by saying a contract is only as good as the guarantor behind it. I can sign a car note and then skip out. I can sign a uh, – I can the, – the passport is a contract between me and the nation, 
that I can travel on its credibility. If the nation has no credibility, my passport ain't worth jack. A contract is only as good as the guarantor behind the, behind the side upon which it's written. So if you, if you see marriage as a contract, which I agree, it is a contract, and I agree it has ramifications if you break it. The whole point of the contract, however, isn't the contract itself, but the guarantor behind it. And that's the part of the contract that most people don't get. I think your perspective is spot on in that, in that context, King. You've got to think of a marriage as a contract, and you've got to think of breaking it as having a ramification, has a consequence. The point that I'm trying to make is before we get to that point, what kind of guarantor are you? You enter into a contract, what kind of person are you going into that contract? I have been shafted by people who signed contracts, and I have been honored by people who did not. So a contract is a piece of paper that grants legal responsibilities and legal rights. However, the guarantor is what makes it so powerful or not. Uh, Aaron, I'll let you respond before I let Carol jump in. Go ahead, Aaron. You can respond back to Amir. I actually uh, can totally agree with that. And uh, on my page, uh, I spend a lot of time letting men and women know that is important for you to know who you are, what you want, and what you don't want in life, not just with a person. And to pay attention to the mirror and to understand that there are things that have happened in your past that can actually affect another person if you, if you don't address them. And there's a lot of people who just want to get married. But if they don't work on themselves, just like you talked about when uh, the radio show started, it's not going to necessarily work out in your favor because if you're not aware of what you're doing, the only thing you're going to do is see how someone is responding to you doing something. And you're going to look at that other person as the problem. And that in particular is where I see what you're saying as far as the guarantor not being where they need mm-hmm. to be at. Now, strong thoughts. Carol, any thoughts on what these, both these kings had to say? Yes. So my first question is, and, and we can answer this in a little while, but I would like for us to answer the question, like, what benefits do we actually have with that piece of paper? Because I think, King, you mentioned, like, this piece of paper affords you something just like, you know, the other other pieces of paper afford you. And I've, I've struggled a little bit with what it does afford me as a heterosexual person in a heterosexual mm-hmm. relationship. Now, when we start talking about gay marriage and, and what it affords them, it is hugely different. And the reason why I say that is because when I was sick in the hospital, this is prior to us being married, you know, they saw Adrian's face every single day. He was talking to the doctors. He was helping to make decisions. He was coaching me through my, you know, procedures. Not a piece of paper anywhere to be found. Um, on the contrary, I have a really good friend who was with his partner for 20 years, lost his partner, and parents wouldn't let him come to the wouldn't let him plan the funeral or come to the funeral. Took everything that belonged to the partner who had passed away. Nothing was honored. Not, I mean, they've been together for 20 years. But obviously, this was prior to them being able to legally get married. So in that respect, you know, it absolutely meant it would have meant everything to them. But for us, it was kind of like, 
I I don't I, I don't really see what the difference was. Maybe a little bit of a tax break, maybe, but I don't I don't um. I'm struggling, and maybe this is not rhetorical. I would really like to hear what benefits are there to being married um, from a legal or from a documental perspective, if that makes sense. Now, uh, very fair question. I wonder if we've got any lawyers out there that can give us the specifics. I can kind of go off of some of the things I recall and, you know, a little level, I'll say even admit a little bit of hearsay to a certain extent. But, uh, you know, I have, you know, undergrad is legal studies, and I wrote a piece specifically about some of what you're talking about, Carol, years ago in reference to and when you bring up the gay marriage conversation. I forgot. I can't even remember what it was called. Emil, you might remember this. But before the Marriage Act allowed same-sex marriages in our country, you know, throughout the country, um, the, the, the in a sense, the society had made some progress, and I forgot what it was called. That's the part I can't remember. Where, where the scenario you gave, as far as being in the hospital and things of that nature, or being on insurance, there was something that was pushed before the actual marriage act that allowed same-sex partners to participate in those things. Whereas, for many years in this country, as you said, Carol, all of that was antiquated. Like you said, a, a long-term lover could not you know, even visit the hospital and things of that nature. But that had changed even prior to the marriage. It was a name for it. I just can't – it slipped my mind right now. And anyway, real, you know, keep this part cool. Oh, yeah, what was it called? It was a civil union is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was the word, yep. So so I remember at the time, just a number of years ago, making a, from my perspective, a, an objective case for with civil unions – the the step for marriage was not necessary for same sex if all of those things were going to be under un, honored under civil unions, and the and the and the reason I had said it at the time, and this is makes a reference to something Aaron said a little earlier, where he had said, "Hey, it protects the woman," and my bigger thought, and I said it in this piece, was marriage in all societies for the most part is mostly in a sense legally to protect children, and and that's the concept for why societies separate the marriage contract from all other contracts, from all other contracts from this standpoint. For the most part, they're, you know, as long as we both, we're both citizens or legal or whatever, for the most part, there's no type of business contract that we cannot enter, and most of them are much simpler to get out of than a marriage contract, and the reason a marriage contract has always been made so difficult is in the event that children might be involved. Obviously, everybody doesn't have children, but that is the reason that around the world, in my opinion, that the marriage contract has always been separate. And, I, and I'm saying I'm just kind of giving, I'm trying to give some context, and I'll let other people jump in and, and, and answering your question, Carol, just to get that out there. Uh, but I'm saying all that to a certain extent to say that and Emil, you might know this, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but even what Adrian was allowed to do without being married isn't always the case from what I understand in a lot of situations. So I don't know if that was unique to the state, but from at least, like even, for example, when I put together, for example, some estate planning classes for the Minnesota Law Community Club, like there's all these things that the, the trainer that I have come in that gets into 
that, you know, when people are not married, how they got to put all these things in place just to be able to make some of those decisions that I'm hearing you said Adrian was allowed to do. So, again, I don't know if it was unique to the state, or, or but for the most part, I've always thought or heard it's not, it hasn't been that simple. You know, I know firsthand that Adrian was doing that for you, but I don't know if that's normal. Emil, Aaron, any thoughts? Do y'all know anything about that? Because I don't even know that that's normal. And if it's not normal, that will that would be the benefit in some cases where you where a married husband or wife is allowed to do the things that in your case Adrian was seen to be allowed to do without it. So that would be one benefit if that is typically the the case legally. Any thoughts on that, Emil? Just to try to answer her question. Uh, well, you know, you're right. It is strange, and in this uh, society, you know, uh, it can often be people will turn the other cheek or, 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 or look sideways, but, um, you know, as someone who was once married and, and now is not, you know, I have to have advanced directives and living will for those kinds mm-hmm. of or powers of attorney for those kinds of decisions mm-hmm. to be formalized, right? So, um, you know, it, in a very contextual sense, uh, maybe I'm lucid enough to say this person can make a decision on my behalf when I'm unable to make a decision. Um, and the mm-hmm. nurse or doctor can then, you know, note that, and then that person can come in. So, you know, the woman I love can make those decisions if I'm lucid enough to be able to um, appoint her to do so. If, however, I am not, I better have an advanced directive or a living will or some uh, power mm-hmm. of attorney that allows her to make those decisions on my behalf when I'm incapacitated. And, you know, the marriage certificate does that automatically amongst, you know, it covers mm-hmm. every single element of our legal presence. Mm-hmm versus a piecemeal approach when you're in a committed relationship or when you're, you know, in a relationship where, like, in the case of, um, you know, homosexual folk that they can't necessarily marry in a state, then they have to have literally a dozen documents um, for mm-hmm. insurance. There has to be a specific document. You know, they mm-hmm. may get a general power of attorney, but then they have to, they have, to have specific power of attorney. And I'm no le- lawyer, but just because I've had to deal with some of this stuff, I understand in the state I'm in, you better have these documents squared away if you intend to have your partner make decisions on your behalf when you're incapacitated. Yeah, so, Carol, I hope that kind of answers your question. I think, you know, again, again, I think what you went through was very unique because that's typically not the case. So, that's again, that's not the only benefit, but that's definitely a benefit when we start talking about the legal paper itself. We are up against the break, so, Aaron, we'll get your thoughts coming out of the break. And we're going to reiterate what you've already kind of said before the break and play your IG piece as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. We'll open up the phone lines when we come out of the break as well. All I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. If you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love can't define this. Love can define this. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define it. We're crippled in love with only blind us. 
Yo, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the excuse, marriage is just a piece of paper. What's the big deal? Well, I want you to think about something. You know what else is simply just a piece of paper? Money. And that's hella important. Let's talk about marriage real quick. What exactly is it? It's a contractual agreement that binds you to what you say you're going to do. Now, that might sound technical and scary to a guy, but I want you to think about this. Every single thing in our lives, we've signed contracts to do. Your cell phone, AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, or whoever, you sign a contract. Even downloading Instagram before using it, you had to sign a contract, even though we don't necessarily read the terms and conditions. The reason for marriage is the reason for everything else. The job you work at, there's a contractual agreement. The credit card is in his wallet. The place he lives in, whether it's an apartment or a house. And if he wasn't making an excuse to say, well, a marriage is a lifetime commitment. Well, so is buying a house to a certain extent. See, every single contract you sign, you can get out of it as long as you do right. You can't just up and leave. You can't just leave your car on the side of the road and decide not to pay the car note anymore. You can't just walk away from your house. And the bottom line is, you don't want him to be able to walk away from you without first doing what was agreed to in the contract, mainly to Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Carol Long. This morning's discussion question is marriage just a piece of paper? Our special guest, Aaron Mallory, you hear his cut from IG, which pretty much sparked this. It was a reiteration of a lot of what the King, King said right before the break. Um, but um, real quick, Carol, again, that's just a couple thoughts that I had just to make sure we're answering your question. I think email kind of back me up just in the sense of what we think we understand legally. Um, but with, but your perspective makes a hundred percent sense from the standpoint, since you didn't have to go through those issues. And it definitely sounds like it's exactly what Emil said. You are lucid enough to say he can do this for you. And the you know, doctors, they were just human, personable and allowed that to be the case, but that is not typically the case. So even you and Adrian would have needed that in more cases than not, if that makes sense, just to kind of throw that out there. Um, um, just any quick response to that, and then I want to hear Aaron's thoughts on what we had to say, and I want to take things in a different direction um, as well. But go ahead, Carol, any, you know, again, any quick thoughts to what myself and Emil had to say to you? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, um, assuming that I was ever lucid or I'm ever lucid is very kind of you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and I mean, even now. Well, you're my sister, so I'm not going to tell her what was, what was really going down. You feel me? <laughs> I, I got to protect you on this national, this national show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just exposing myself here. Um, but no, you know, King and Mel, you guys have really great points. The only thing that I wanted to say is, and this is something else I want to throw out is since you compared this contract to other contracts that typically have a time frame and an expiration, I have always thought that marriage should be the same way. Like, we need to get to a, a place, okay, it's been five years. Do we want to do another five years? Are we going to re-up? Are we going to punch? What are we going to do? Because there's so many people who end up getting into these relationships for whatever reason, and they're married, and they do really feel 
stuck because they made a bad decision. So I, I would like to really have marriage be the same kind of contractual, maybe not until death do us apart, so that you can reevaluate as you grow. Like, you know, maybe I don't want Verizon anymore. Maybe I don't want a cell phone anymore. Maybe I want to go back to a home phone. So I think that, to me, would fit more of what we would, you know, gain out of being married and really being mindful of that contract. I'm, a, I'm conscious enough to renew this as a conscious decision. Aaron, any thoughts to uh, what, what Carol brings to the table? All right, I think that's actually uh, a great idea because people, regardless of what, like I actually, um, we I, we were like teenagers when me and my uh, ex-wife uh, met. And, of course, we didn't get married directly in the beginning, but since we were young, I was easily able to see how I started growing and how she started growing. And part of that is the reason why the marriage didn't work out. Now, if there was some type of re-up process, which I actually like, we both would have been able to at least say, all right, this, how, this is how I've grown. This is how you've grown. Are we going to compromise or are we going to go in our separate ways versus, like you said, feeling stuck with a person that changed or the opposite, feeling stuck with somebody who has not changed. Because a lot of times one person may be mad that the other that the other person didn't change, but on the other side, the other person may be mad that the person did change. So I totally agree with that. I got more, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, let you know I do agree with that part. That, that was kind of dope. Emil? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, still I'm, I'm all, I'm, yeah, I'm still here. I'm all for it personally, um, and, and I think maybe if it doesn't, if it's not in a formal contract, it's in a mindset, right? The mindset of people who are truly committed to their self development and their self growth are going to be reflective, and they're going to be introspective, and they're going to ask, "Are the things that I'm surrounded by serving me and my purpose?" And if we don't ask those questions regularly, anyway. We'll find ourselves in a job, in a relationship, in a, a, a part of the country that doesn't fit where we would like to be in our life. And so, yeah, I think we do need to, at the very least, teach people how to ask that question. And maybe it shouldn't be every five years. Maybe it should be our New Year's thing where every New Year's Eve we have that conversation or on our anniversary we have that conversation or throughout the year we have that conversation. Well, we're not – instead of saying, yo, are you down for this and I'm down for this, we say, you know, checking in with each other. How are you doing? What's the wor- how is your world developing? And be serious about those conversations so that when we check in, we're checking in with the relationship and with the other person and with our own heart. And I think if we do those things consistently, more marriages would survive because um, despite the fact that I think marriage is a piece of paper, I believe in the concept. I just think that we have to approach it vastly differently so that they last longer and are healthier along the way. And I think this check-in process is absolutely dope in terms of getting people to think that way. So how in the world is the only person that's never been married going to be the one that says, that's all rubbish. All of that's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I want to hear this. Hey, 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 y'all at least could have gave, somebody could at least throughout a decade, at least 
if she's going to come up with this brilliant idea, it should at least be a decade. Y'all talking about five years. Let's revisit the conversation every new years. This is all rubbish. All rubbish. Out of this car. Out of this car. Yeah. See, y'all, I, y'all didn't think I, didn't got, I don't oh, have yeah. the right perspectives on this show. I got all three scarred people. So me, who is yet to be scarred, thinks this idea is all rough. Now let me let me get it. Let me get into the why I'm saying I'm kind of being facetious a little bit. But um, part of the reason I'm saying it to a certain extent is, as I hear us continue to talk about this concept of marriage and is it a piece of paper or not, the context is mainly about you and that significant other. And Carol, you've heard me talk about this before. I think that what gets lost in 2019 is the historical perspective of what the purpose marriage has always had, which considers legacy. Now we're talking about children. And so that is the part that's being left out, whereas we're constantly having the conversation, which is very normal in 2019, having the conversation about how are you and I doing in this in this relationship, and so I've been saying for a number of years. I'm not saying I'm the only one. I, I me calling this rubbish comes from me following other groups as well. That always what I've learned or come to learn, at least in my opinion, is that's what's often getting left out of the context of the purpose of marriage. As I said, the reason not only does the U.S have this paper, but around the world, marriage has been a contract. You can even research the history that's been around since even early humans to a certain extent, not necessarily the earliest of humans, but I'm just saying that society started before, um, started forming, they found records of marriage even in early humans, if you will. And we know, we all know the historical context that marriage had a very, in a sense, a big purpose was in reference to the next generation. So in a sense, with that said, revisiting every five, every ten, and forgetting the actual purpose, which is legacy. I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm not I'm not devoid of your one on one relationship within the marriage and how good or difficult that might be. And I'm not saying nobody should ever get divorced. So you're not hearing me say that as either. Because again, I told you, Kara, I would have gladly pulled you out of your first one myself. So again, I'm not coming from the perspective of never getting divorced and things of that nature, but we are leaving out that purpose from the extent that we are getting this union to ensure the next generation is straight. So that's what makes me say revisiting t- every 10 years and the babies are 10, I'm not okay with that. Again, I'm not saying I'm necessarily right, but I'm just pointing out not such a great idea to me personally. For anybody out there on the phone line that wants to get in, you do need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. If you're online and want to get in, the number is 646 787 one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. I definitely see those people on the line. Just make sure you press one. I hope you're listening. We're gonna to go to a very very quick break, and I'll let y'all respond to what I had to say out of this very short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. 
My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think if you do have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly via phone or inbox me, Facebook, or IG. This morning's discussion question, is marriage just a piece of paper? Special guest co-host Carol Long, special guest Aaron Mallory, as well as Emil Bryant. So I've kind of gave my slight pushback. I definitely were interested in hearing, in a sense, y'all thoughts on it. And, again, I'm just pushing the aspect that of the the major purpose for the marriage is the legacy aspect. And so revisiting every five, ten years when there are children involved doesn't sound sound to me. Carol, I'll let you respond since you offered the brilliant idea that these two kings supposedly think is so amazing. <laughs> First of all, somebody said it was is um pretty dope or mostly dope. It was it's absolutely dope. Well just so you know. Um I I think it's this is one thing that I had a lot of people judging me and Adrian that we were living together and you know, we we had our son, Xavier, and we had <clears throat> um kids come in and stay with us and we were a family, and I had a lot of, of my friends and fam- not a lot, but a couple that were judging, like, how can you have these kids around and you guys aren't married and y'all are sleeping together, whatever. But guess what? Those kiddos saw a very healthy relationship. So to the gentleman's point earlier, it is all about being healthy. And I, I'm 100% convinced that you can do that without that paper. Yes, there are some legal implications and the contract are very important. When it comes to legacy and children, the most important thing, like for my son now, the most important thing that he can see is me and his daddy be healthy and be happy. Unfortunately, for some couples, that might mean that they're not together anymore, but they are able to be present and healthy and show and demonstrate that kind of relationship for their children. And a perfect example for me is my parents. They were married for 27 years, all the way up until I graduated from um, college. It was not healthy. Um, super cool to be able to say my parents were still married, but I had to deal with the reality of their relationship. And so when they got a divorce and my mom remarried 20 years later or 15 years later, I was like, wow, my mom is healthy. She's happy. She and my dad are able to be friends. I mean, it just it just completely changed everything. So not advocating for divorce, just advocating for healthy relationships as it relates to your children, I think should take, I was about to say Trump's, but then I changed my mind. (laughs) mind. Um, It takes precedence over, uh, you know, just staying married because you've got kids. Right. And let me throw this out. I'll let um, Aaron respond next. We've got a a couple callers actually too. So so just understand, I always tell people this when they respond in the way that you just responded. Um, Carol, is I am all, for the most part I am talking about healthy marriages. So just keep that in mind when I'm saying 
add the legacy to it because I feel like the every 10-year visit or every five-year visit is, when I say it's rubbish, when it comes to what I think is a major portion is the legacy for those who have children. And so I'm just saying, understand that I am still advocating for healthy marriages. So, um, you know, revisiting five or ten years still doesn't make sense to me when I'm talking about a healthy marriage. Just kind of keep that in mind. Um, Aaron, I'm going to let you respond, and we're going to get to a caller before we get to you and Neil. Go ahead, Aaron. Okay. Um, First thing I want to say is I want to at least bring the emotional and psychological side of marriage up because we talked a lot about contractual agreements. But just from my uh, history of just the experience I had, the key word is, ex- is experience. When, when I asked my ex-wife to marry me, that was a beautiful experience when she said yes. When we got married and, you know, uh, it was a beautiful wedding with my friends and family, her friends and family, me watching her walk down the aisle and come give me a hug and a kiss in front of everyone, that was a beautiful experience. Us raising our children after we got married was a little different than before we got married. There was more of a purpose of this family unit that we already had together before the marriage. Because, Like I said, we didn't just up and get married in the beginning. That was a total experience. So what marriage does to a person's psyche is they see that person as different than all the other people that they've ever dated in their lives because this is a marriage. This is more of an experience than just a relationship. And your children see that also. My kids to this day, they know and they're happy to be able to say that, one, they have a mom and a dad, and two, their mom and dad were married, and it makes them want to get married. Are they married? No. But at the end of the day, it is Mm -hmm. an experience that changes your psyche. Now, mind you, some marriages end badly, and it can hurt your psyche in a negative way also as far as the divorce. But the marriage itself, even if you go to the courthouse, it's all an experience that you've never experienced before this particular person. And I just wanted to add to the part as far as the re-up process. Um, I don't know how many football fans I got uh, that, you know, you guys, uh, if you look at football or not, but they actually re-up right after five years three years or whatever next thing you know uh you'll hear about a player playing a lot harder because they're in a quote unquote contract year so when that player knows that their contract is about to be up they play a little harder because they want the team that they're a part of to see that hey i am worth another contract so sometimes uh, if it was, a, for example, 10-year RIA, at the end of that 10 years, probably year nine, either the man or the woman who really wants to make this marriage work, they'll probably stop being lazy. They'll probably start paying attention 
to their partner when they're complaining about something instead of saying, ah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Because they know they're about to come to their contract year and there's a possibility that they can lose this person forever. Because one of the biggest issues to me with marriage is feeling stuck with somebody for the rest of their lives. So I understand it does have a lot to do with kids. But if mom and dad isn't right and they're not happy, I don't think they should stay married anyway. As I said, I'm not throwing out divorce is, is not an option. So I'm not coming from that perspective. It's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this concept that in 10 years, the kids got to figure out whether mom and dad are going to stay together. Let's get to the callers. we got several callers, so we'll just bear with me. We're going to go through callers. We're going to go to the break, get to more callers. Emil, I want to check on you because I know I has possible time, so I want to make sure you're good. How much longer do we have you, Emil? I want to make sure I respect that before it's getting to you as well. Yes, sir. Um, I'm yeah, I'm saying, are you I good for the next another... hour? Or do you need to go in the next 15? Like, you got, can you do one more segment? What's your situation? 15. You got another segment? Okay. I got until, uh, I got one until more a quarter after the hour. A quarter, a quarter after the hour, and then I got to go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, so let me get to a couple, couple of these callers, and we'll go heavy with you on the next segment. Area code 817-691. I think this is Mickey out of Dallas, Texas. I hope I got it right. If I don't, forgive me and tell me who you are and where you got it from. Man, you got it. You got that thing all the way right. You know you know what you're doing. Um, I want to hey. say what's up to Carol out there. That's what Carol I think it is. If that's the Carol, my sister, yes, back today, I want to say hello. Um, so, man, um, a few comments. Um, I don't agree with this whole contractual um concept and re-upping and whatnot. I just want to throw that out there. Um, I think it's def- marriage is definitely more than a piece of paper um, because based off what I've heard here and the, the elements that are described that would be in a contract and those types of things, marriage is, is exactly that, a higher level of commitment. Um, the young man that spoke previously um, went away from the contract talk and started talking about kind of the psychological and the emotional piece, and that's where I think it's it's important for a lot of people, and I'll try to keep it based on me. Uh, there is an, a level of emotional security, um, having a husband or a wife versus just being in a relationship for me. Um, I think others would agree with that. And if you think about how many women have left a man because they wouldn't propose to him or wouldn't marry them, I think that's a very telling uh, phenomenon in that the desire to have that higher level of commitment um, means something to a lot of people. Another thing we haven't talked about, again, for me, it is a spiritual um, thing for me as well. I think marriage is ordained by God. Um, I do think that, and I don't, I'm not questioning anybody's rights, but I think it should be between a man and a woman. And I think God designed us to function in that way. And those vows that, that come out of the Bible are so stringent to death do us part because this whole concept of being stuck with someone, I've heard about four times come up on the call. A marriage will force you, a healthy marriage will force you to step up and do what you're contractually, uh, you signed mm-hmm. up to do. And that is to stick with someone when, when their health is failing or their mental capacity could be fading or changing, or they simply have changed in a very practical day-to-day sense. You have to find a way to make it work. Now, I have been divorced as well, so I understand what that's about. So I'm not naive to that, but I do think that marriage is way more uh, than, a, than a piece of paper. And then on the family piece, um, 
while I'm sure there are a number of examples where uh, people have cohabitated and not been married and their children have come out to be great citizens and, and great contributors to society and great people, I think that there's something special about a child watching uh, a husband, a healthy marriage develop and watch the husband and the wife love on each other, spoil each other, pick each other up when they're down, the whole nine. I think that rubs off on, on children. And um, if you think about how many people were raised by single single parents, and that's another show I know, um, many people will say that there's something missing when they don't have that piece or that, that thing is not healthy. So that's a lot, but I just wanted to put that out there. That's, that's, my, that's my three cents. Now, it's an amazing three cents. We are at the top of the hour, so if everybody will kind of contemplate what you just heard um, from Mickey, I will come back. Emil, we'll start with you knowing that you only got one more segment with us um, in, in response to what Mickey had to say. And, Mickey, if you know how it works here, come off the one and come back on if you decide to come back on before the show's over. We've got a couple other calls we're going to get to coming out of the break as well. We are at the top of the hour. Uh, we love featuring Square Business Entertainment and their latest cut. Once a month they give us a new cut. Uh, they have an amazing one here now called I, I Can't. Let me just make sure I got it right here. Let me say the name correctly. Coming home to you. So hopefully y'all enjoy a little music on this morning's talk show. When we come back, we'll start again with our special guest, Emil Bryant's response to our caller, Mickey, and we'll get to the other callers that are out there. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think.
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Carol Long. We heard, again, a beautiful song from Square Business Entertainment and Taylor Pace coming home to you. Can you get back to that lady? I'm a lone advocate for long-term marriage. Everybody else want to re-up like a football contract. <laughs> uh, Emil, let me go ahead and let you jump in. We're going to get to a caller uh, after after you, Emil. Go ahead, Emil. <laughs> no, for sure, man. Let me let me tell you, King. Um, if all marriages were healthy, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Let's just be blunt, right? Fair enough. Like the whole reason we are here in this conversation is because people do see marriage as a piece of paper, and people do need an understanding of what they're getting themselves into. I wanted my first marriage, especially my, you know, because I had children out of that marriage to last 150 years. It didn't. And why didn't it, right? And so we have to have these conversations to talk about what does it mean to have a marriage. And it is commitment. And the caller mentioned it beautifully. I mean, there's a spiritual and emotional component. And to your point, King, about legacy, I absolutely want my children to be financially stable based on the relationship their mother and I uh, produce. That would be Mm -hmm. ideal. And in every ideal case, which we do not have, especially in black America, our children would be uh, products of healthy relationships. They'd be in stable financial situations, and our children would be able to model their futures on what they learned at home. Unfortunately, we're here now in a world that doesn't have those kinds of advantages. So what do we do? And what I say is the first and most important step to every healthy relationship is a healthy relationship with oneself. The second thing that we need to do is say, am I in a material position to allow myself the joy, freedom, luxury, and privilege of inviting another person to love me? And then the third thing I would say, and this is to the caller's point, Am I willing to build my future with somebody who is compatible with me in that building? If I can say, if I can answer those questions, man, we can have a great. Now we don't have to worry about re-up. Now we don't have to have a conversation about every five mm-hmm. years. But mm-hmm. we don't live in an ideal world. So every now and again, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, every decade, we need to be checking in with our spouse, with our mate, and ask, are we still together in this? And if we don't do it, We'll find out one day that we're not, and it won't be a conscious decision. It'll be, oh, no, we grew apart, and I don't like those words in any relationship. Now, let me say this. We're going to go to a caller. I love those three things, Emil, because they bring back some of what I'm, some of what I'm talking about. Like I said, some of what Mickey was talking about. Now we're bringing it all together. So as you said, it is ideal, but the re- ideal, but the reality is if we would consider maybe the three things you just suggested before picking someone to attempt to spend the rest of our lives with, it still won't be 100%, but it is what's not typically getting done because of, as you said, the things we misunderstand about marriage or it is just a piece of paper or as I challenge, you know, in a sense, the first hour and y'all talked about it just between the relationship between, you know, you and that other person. And I'm saying leaving out one of the biggest aspects, the legacy, the children. And so the things you're talking about, if people learn to do that, even if they have not seen healthy marriages, because, again, that is one of the issues, particularly in our community in general, let's, you know, let's be honest about that, that's, in a sense, anytime I'm advocating, I'm advocating for all of those things 
as and I always say, hashtag marriage before children. I want to see people understand the purpose of marriage because I think it will require them to do those three things you just mentioned. I love those three uh, suggestions as well, Emil. Let's go to another caller before we let you go. Area code eight six three last three three nine one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hey, hello, my name is uh, Glenn, and I'm calling from uh, Atlanta. Hey, what's up, Glenn? Thanks for being with us, King. What you got for us? Yeah, so I had a few points, but I'll keep it really brief. Um, I, I'm on your side there, Montoya, in terms of marriage should be long term, and uh, I'm. I myself am recently engaged, uh, and when that happens, all of your friends and family start to tell you everything about their marriages, start giving you advice. So what I say now is from you know several weeks and of dozens of conversations on what I should and shouldn't do um, from the elders in my family. Uh, but I wanted to preface that with, in general, marriage is a vow, and a vow is uh, not to be broken uh, ever, um, not because there aren't situations where you can get out of it, but because marriage is so hard that you have to come in it with the mindset that I'm not leaving. And no matter what happens, we're going to make it work. That's your best shot at doing something really hard. And there's a similar correlation with investing. You know, if if you're going to take risk and you're going to study something or try to build a business, you know, no matter how hard you try, the business can fail or it can grow. But the, the best shot you have your business growing is entering that mindset of I'm not quitting until this business gets where it mm-hmm. needs to be. If you start that business with, well, here's my business, but here's plan A, B, C, or D if it doesn't work, and I'll do it part-time, and then maybe a few years I'll think if I'll do it. Well, you know, that can work, but you're making yourself, in my opinion, uh, weaker in a battle that is very hard and a lot of people fail at. So that's one thing. And then secondly, uh, if you – you know, if you're going to go into marriage, I think the only way that it really makes sense if you look at it in the biblical sense, because that's the origin. If you want to understand something, you have to know the origin and know the author. And biblically speaking, you know, Bible, you know, the, the marriage was written as a vow because you have to go into it as if you're never leaving because it's that hard. But part two, that there are um, situations where a divorce is okay. Uh, I'm going to be very brief because I don't want to take up too much of your time on your show, but the three things that I know, at least from my reading, is obviously if someone dies, then you know you're not, you don't have to be a widow for your life. You can be married. If there's adultery, you are allowed to leave your spouse. And if you are pursuing your spiritual walk, and your spouse is in direct opposition of you, and they want to leave because they don't like your spiritual walk, you do not have to chase after them. You are allowed to let them go if they're saying, hey. No matter what God you serve, if they're like, I don't want you that anymore, and I don't like your life, but I don't want to leave, you don't have to run after them. So those are the three clauses that the Bible has to say. If you do that, then you're in line with the plan, but you should still enter it as a vow because it's really, really hard, just like starting a business. But there are exceptions to the rule, just like you know everything in life, and I think that's mm-hmm. the best plan to really approach it. Not, um, strong three cents, King, if you will, Emil, because you're only staying for one more segment, I'll let you respond first to what our caller Glenn had to say. Any thoughts uh, on, on from Glenn's perspective, uh, Emil? Now, first of all, I, uh, thank you, Glenn, for saying that. Um, but I would say that uh, I don't know anybody who's divorced today who, on the day they got married, did not intend to go with life. I know I did. I know I had every intention. I had every biblical reason to stay married. I had everything in my heart 
and mine to, to stay married. It didn't work. And it didn't work because I wasn't committed. And I don't think the level of commitment is the problem with most divorces. And I know my brother uh, Aaron, who does the emotional stuff, is going to probably have another way of seeing this and probably um, in many ways augment what I'm about to say. But the commitment is never the problem, in my opinion. It's the other factors that you don't understand. And you can say all day at 25 or 35 years old when you start, but those factors when they show up, are so dynamic and so different than what you could have ever prepared for without knowing exactly what you're getting yourself into, it's not easy to predict that you'll stick with it the way one once did. Those three conditions in the Bible are great. And, and believe me, I was all about what the word said at the time. However, the relationship dynamic changed how I saw myself. It changed how I saw the, the concept of marriage. It changed how I saw the concept of uh, adultery. It, saw, it changed how I saw the concept of uh, religious uh, differences. And, it, and those things all are part of the journey that you would like to have prior to marriage, but you're not going to necessarily have that. And so to me, um, it's not just a level of commitment. There is another thing that um, many of us, uh, we just need to be able to mature into and, uh, and I'll tell this to anybody who's on a way to get married. I'm a believer in the concept. I'm a believer in the institution. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I also think that before you step over that line, make sure you really understand who you are because that's where the dynamic influences the outcome. Do you really know who you are under the duress and pressure of a relationship that is unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life? When you understand that, I think you can go in with the right heart, the right spirit, and stay together for life. I really think that's possible, but I think it just takes a different level of commitment to oneself development before you can answer that question honestly. Hey, Emil, thank you for your wonderful thoughts. I know you got to go, so I appreciate you. You've been wonderful for the time that we had. You My pleasure, here. brother. My pleasure. How much I appreciate you. No, absolutely, King. Uh, Carol, I'm gonna give, we got about a minute and a half before the break, so I'm going to let you get a quick response because I think your first marriage, you were similar to what I heard here Emil saying as far as how he was, you know, in a sense being led by the Bible and things, and then you already kind of mentioned that. So I want to hear a quick response to, uh, you know, in a sense what Glenn had to say and Emil had to say from you before we go to break, and then we'll come to the next caller and Aaron coming out of the break. Go ahead, Queen. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you, Emil. It was, you know, my intention to stay married for forever. I'm so thankful that I didn't because I'm in a wonderful place now. And to the love from Atlanta, um, Glenn, I just want to encourage you and let you know that marriage is not so, so hard. I hear people say that all the time, and it breaks my heart. Marriage is beautiful. When it's with the right person, it is not hard. It is your, it is your pleasure to love that person and be loved by that person. And it is not hard for me, Adrian. I I realize that we are very unique, but I'm telling you right now, when it's with the right, it was difficult my first marriage. This one, it's a beautiful relationship. We are friends. We are lovers. We are crazies together, and it is beautiful. Hopefully, it's not super super hard work. The last thing I want to say is to my brother Mickey. I love you and your wife. Oh my God, I thought that was you. I couldn't hear your name at first. God bless you. I want you to know that, let me be clear, 
me and my husband are not doing that contractual thing. I said that for the general public. He can go out and sleep with another woman and have a baby. We're just going to get an exercise king bed. Everybody's going to sleep in the same bed together. We're going to stay in the same house together. I'm not leaving. <laughs>
It's also equivalent to the adoption of a responsibility. And there's more to it than that. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problem. Because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you. So how about we fix things? Because the alternative is we're going to be in a boxing match for the next 40 years. That's the alternative. So, and you think you're going to fix problems without something like that hanging over your head? There isn't a chance. You'll just avoid them because that's what people do. It's really hard to, to solve problems, especially in a relationship. We're having a fight and I find out that it's, you know, because you're, you were abused by your uncle when you were five or some goddamn thing. You know, it's like, it's very frequent that that sort of thing happens. You, there's, there's the partner, your partner's, you know, manifesting some weird anomalous behavior. You just can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't seem related to what you're doing at all. They don't want to talk about it. And so as soon as you bring it up, they get mad. And then you bring it up again, they even get madder and they tell you that you're not going to talk about that or they're going to leave. And so maybe you're really, really persistent because you're kind of a son of a bitch and then they break down and cry, you know. And then they have this horrible memory that comes flooding forward that's completely, you don't know what to do with it and then you have to sort it out. It's like, you think you're going to do that unless there's a good reason? You have to know, we better sort this out or we're going to be carrying it around for the next 40 years. That maybe is enough motivation so you'll actually try hard to solve a problem. It's a lot easier to say, well, <laughs> sorry, we're not going there. But then, good, you'll have it every day. Every day, every goddamn day for the rest of your life. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Carol Long. Aaron Mallory, you are the perfect guest to come out of that out of that piece. You're like you said, an emotional intelligence coach. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, that was thoughts from Jordan Peterson, um, and, and his thoughts on that that commitment aspect that Glenn brought up prior to the break, and saying that the commitment is, as Jordan says, is what will make you work. Again, there's definitely a lot of perspectives, but definitely want to hear your thoughts on that cut. Go ahead, King. Okay, uh, a couple things. The first thing I want to um, uh, bring to light is you guys were talking about how a marriage begins. Life in itself is simple until you have to explain it, right? So you can look at a commitment as being simple. You can look at a marriage as like, oh, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. But the truth is, and not saying anything bad about it, because I, I believe life is simple, but um, when you look at uh, what he said at first, he said, find out who you actually are before you get married. There's a good and a bad to that. And I'm not going to say bad, but there's a difference. Your life, to a certain degree, totally changes almost every five years. Say you have a baby. Five years later, you have a five-year-old. Five years after that, that child is 10. So there's a huge difference in your life and what you're doing on an everyday basis with a newborn baby versus what you're doing with a five-year-old than with a 10-year-old. So who you actually are changes. So not really talking about the whole re-up thing again, but to a certain degree, it's important for you to look at who you actually have become after five or ten years. Because I promise you, you're not the same person than you were, than you were at first. So when you first get married, you have to be cognizant of the fact that you're a different person 
five, ten years down the line. So it's important for not re-up, but for you and that person to actually sit down and have a uh, a grown, an adult conversation about what they now want, who they now are, because they're different. Their wants are going to be different. When you're 20, your wants are totally different than when you're 30. And when you're 30, your wants are totally different than when you're 40. Your tolerance level changes. So there's a lot of different things that change in your life as an adult. So the commitment itself, it sounds cute. But at the end of the day, and I don't think marriage is hard in any type of way. You just have to be aware of the fact that things are going to change almost totally every five years. And when you look at things like that, you'll have a good understanding of, all right, I need to sit down and talk to my wife and see where her mind is now versus when we first got married. Carol, very interesting. As I hear Aaron say this, um, have this the thing yeah. that you're saying, how does it apply within your own relationship, having been with your Actually. husband again for, I think, 11 years, only married a couple yeah. of years or something to that extent. So when you hear him, Aaron say those things, does this does these things apply in the, do you in your you know from your own life experience if you will? Yes, 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 yes. This is the reason why I threatened my baby sister to not get married before she was thirty five because at least you've experienced some of those sort of pivotal changes in your life and you can present a more mature version of yourself. For me, it was 35, which I, I kind of started to realize, wow, I am not the same person that I was in college at all. My philosophy on religion has changed. My health has changed. My view on sex has changed. What I want sexually has changed. My view on cho- I mean, just everything. So I cannot agree with you more. You are absolutely right. That's something that people are not aware of. And Adrian and I, we have regular touch bases, but it's usually based upon, mm, I'm noticing something. Notice you've been quiet for a couple of days. What's going on? Let's have the touch base. So it's not necessarily the contractual agreement that I mentioned at the beginning of the of the show, but it is a, a check-in because we both recognize, hey, we we are changing. We're getting older. We have a brain, we have a 22 year old, and a nine month old. Really, like <laughs> your life is not the same. And so to be mindful yeah, can't of that. Than that right? You can't change any more than that. Yeah, so to be mindful of that and know that, yes, we made this commitment, we still love each other, but let me just, is there something that I need to do to help you feel more connected in this relationship and vice versa? I couldn't agree more. Excellent point. All right, good stuff. We got another caller. For the callers that are on the line out there now, you do have to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak on this morning's show. If you're online, the number to get in is 646 787-1691. Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You do need to press one to let us know you want to speak. Let's go to another caller. Area code seven zero four last three six one one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Uh, what's going on, people? This is your brother, Rocker, um, Rocker Parker. I'm here with my wife, Mister, as well, calling from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, what's up, Rocker? Thanks for calling in, King. What you got for us? Um, just sitting here listening to your show. Uh, me and my wife, we've been together uh, 17 years. 
Um, we've been married 12 on the 25th of this month. Um, for us, it, it, the marriage is very easy. You know what I'm saying? We like, like I told you before, we we wouldn't have went the paper route if we were earlier. If we would have um, knew about it earlier, we would have just had a ceremony, like I said before. Um, the commitment, like the commitment to us, is you have to be. Uh, what I say earlier. Um, and what I say, Miss. I said, oh, this right, this king came ready. He got, he got, he got the, he got the wifey on deck, backing him up. He came ready. Yes, that's what I love. I love he it. Looked, yeah. He looked, hey, what can I say, babe? Oh, like, um, <laughs> I have to, I have to. We we stay on the same page. Like we're 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 not. I grew up in the church, but we're not. We haven't gone by the Bible. You know what I'm saying? We haven't had. Jesus through our through our relationship. You understand what I'm saying? We're we're into African right. spirituality and, and and for the most part, but we haven't had the traditional Christian marriage or or however you may want to feel about it. But we've had right. But yeah, you're great, still working. The, you're still working great, it together the same. I, I get you. I get where you come from. Yeah, great, yeah. Like like we we we've been in love this whole entire time. I mean, we separated, Beautiful. but that was before we even married. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. we went through the gauntlet. We went through the gauntlet before we, you know what I'm saying, committed through marriage. But to me, I was always committed. You know what I'm saying? Like me mm-hmm. now is it different from me when I before we uh got married. You know what I'm saying? And and morals, right. values, thing. I I've been the same person. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I don't find marriage to be hard at all because. To me, when you say you're you, you're my boyfriend, you're my girlfriend, you're saying that I'm being committed to you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're saying that I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm not going to lie to you when you say that you're going to be with someone. You know what I'm saying? To me, the marriage is just the public notification to everybody. That, Look, mm-hmm. this is who I choose to be with for for a long period of time. Now, I'm, I'm, let, me say, let me say this. I'm going to tell you what I'm hearing, Rocker, and I'll get my, both my guests to give, give their thoughts on it. And, and you, as you kind of mentioned, you and I talked previous to the show, so for when he was making that reference, that's why he kind of said um, based on what, he, what we had talked about. And so what, I, what I, I'll tell you, some of what I'm hearing based on what's been said on the show, it sounds like you and your wife, um, you ended up being, as our previous guest, Emil Bryan, mentioned, y'all, you in a sense, y'all are the, the right type of grantor. In, in a sense, to one another, as in, when using stealing the term from Emil, who mentioned in the very beginning that a paper is only worth what the grantor commitment is, and it sounds like y'all have been great grantors to one another, if I can, again, steal that term. And, and as Emil said, for a great grantor, it doesn't matter. They're, they're going to keep their contract whether it's written or not. And so that's what y'all have seen to play out. I will share this. Again, you and I talked about this just last night. Um, in your situation, and you've already shared. I'm gonna hope this is not, it shouldn't be a problem. But you and your wife, um, you said there are no children involved, and I said to you personally that in that situation, I could. I'm even willing to say, as a supporter of marriage, as a supporter of the piece of paper, I even told you personally, when there are not children involved, I definitely can understand, in a sense, 
why you know why in a sense is I would say not necessary because now I'm more caught up in the legacy part. So if that's not a part of it, because for the most part coming together in a marriage in which children are going to come from, that's when I get overly concerned with people who might mention that it's just a piece of paper because, as we mentioned earlier in the show, things are automatically granted with that piece of paper and not just to get it into a bunch of legal lease, but I would, you know, just kind of say all that to say that in your situation, I'm definitely with or without the paper. I think you're just fine. Any thoughts um, from you, Aaron, and, and, and what Rock, Brother Rocker brought to the table? Um, and then we'll go to you, Carol. Overall, um, I just I just want to say this. Um, when me and my ex-wife divorced, it inadvertently affected my oldest daughter. So marriage is so much more than a piece of paper because the marriage versus the non-marriage affects everybody in the family. It affects other family members also. And on top of that, when you don't get married, it affects everybody around you because we talked about legacy at one point. There's a certain amount of uh, emotional and psychological legacy just as far as habits and tradition. So if you grow up in a, in a household where uh, you're expected to get married because your parents got married or you grow up in a household where um, two parents are like, oh, we don't care about marriage and we're not going to get married, well, the legacy and the habits, and the, the mindset you're handing down to your kids is the same thing. I'm just going to have a baby, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be happy, and if a guy sticks around, cool, and if he doesn't, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, commitment in itself, the action of committing to not just other people, but committing to your your own life, like what you want, and you stay committed to what you actually want without straying, that is legacy also. So um, it's nah, so much enough. bigger. Yeah, go ahead. Nah, fair enough. Yeah, now, Rocker, thank you for calling in. We're actually up against another break, and, I, and this break right here is going to, again, move this conversation in another direction. For the callers that are out there, thank you, Rocker, for calling in, uh, if you will, too, King. Thanks a lot. All right, no problem. All right, we are up against the break. I definitely want both of you to listen to this cut because we're we're it's it's actually a perfect segue into other aspects of this concept of marriage, whether it's a piece of paper and 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 when it doesn't work out, something too that that is often considered even before going into a marriage. But you're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think we'll be right back. Ten-year process, 15-year process. It'll cost you $250,000, and it'll tear a big chunk out of your life. And also, it will really disrupt your relationship with your kids. And, you know, you you bring kids into a step-parent family. They do not do as well. Step-parents are not as good parents as biological parents, and the data on that is clear. Now, obviously, there are exceptions, because there are terrible biological parents, and there are wonderful step-parents. But if you look in aggregate... It's not that easy to care for children. You need everything you can binding you to them. And if they're someone else's children, mostly they get in the way of the person that you love. Right? Well, if I'm, let's say you have a child, I'll be right out. Let's say you have a child and I want to go out with you. 
every second you spend with that child is the second you don't spend with me. And, and there's going to be a price for that. I'm not going to be happy about that. And, and if I have a child, you're going to feel exactly the same way. You might say, well, no, I love children. It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure you do. I doubt it. You might love your child. And, and you know, it's pretty specific the way that people love children. So, and the rate of abuse for kids in step-parent families is way higher than it is in biological families. There's not even any comparison. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Carol Long, and our special guest is Aaron Mallory, curator of the podcast, Let It Go. As you heard, another cut from Jordan Peterson, and I think this is an aspect that I definitely wanted to bring to the table. Again, one of my favorite hashtags, I like making up hashtags, is simply marriage before children in reference to children being very intentional when it comes to, in a sense, people deciding to marry, as I just said. No children are coming into the play. Paper, okay. No paper, okay. When it comes to these children, you hear Jordan Peterson lay out the step-parent situation and how there's such a difference in in abuse, for example. And so what I wanted to point out, and Carol, I'll start with you, what I wanted to point out in playing this cut, quite often when I engage in this discussion of whether marriage is just a piece of paper or any other aspect of marriage, and, and as I said in the first hour, quite often in 2019, marriage is being, it can be disparaged in a, and to a certain extent. I hear it all the time. And so... That cut, I just pray for those who think that marriage is just a piece of paper or not a fan of marriage. They'll listen to that cut and say, see how it can be so bad for children? And they'll kind of say, so that's the reason I won't get married. The caveat, and this is, here's why I want you to jump in, is as we hear Jordan Peterson break down the higher risk for bringing in a step-parent versus a biological parent, and you, you were one of those wonderful step-parents, if you will, so you were that, in a sense, exception as he laid out. The other caveat, the other aspect is for those who are not choosing marriage what, and, and are against it and saying that it's a piece of paper, what those people never put in context is when, it, when Jordan lays out that the step-parent situation for children can be very abusive in general, well, even higher than that are those that have children and are trying to figure out the boyfriend, co- girlfriend, committed thing. They're, the examples of that, again, is not saying this is going to happen to everyone, but the examples of what happens when people choose not to get married is what those people never talk about while they're disparaging marriage. So when, when I'm always defending it, I'm saying I get that there are problems with a bunch of dysfunctional marriages, Marriages, it's not like that I don't see them, but are y'all paying attention to what we're currently doing as a society? It's much worse than the results coming out of, generally speaking, married situations. Your thoughts, Carol? Yeah, first of all, I just want to find him and give him a hug. I mean, he just sounds so, he almost sounds hurt to me. And I don't, I'm not familiar with who he is, but you can just hear a little bit of 
you know, his experience and his tone. And I love what Rocket said, um, you know, earlier that marriage for him has been easy. There are there are really strong, healthy marriages out there who have stepchildren who are dealing with a lot of different dynamics. I mean, stepchildren is just one very small, in the grand scheme of things, that's just one small aspect of being with someone. I never would have married Adrian if I hadn't seen the kind of dad that he was. It's what made me fall in love with him. When he kissed his son, when I first saw I said, oh, this is my husband. And I knew that I was not just marrying him, but I was marrying his son too. And that's always been the case. And quite frankly, thank God, I have been in a position, and his mother will admit this, to do so much more for him in these formative years, these past eight years than she was. She just wasn't in a place. And I'm grateful that she has allowed me to be a mom to him. So again, I know that this is probably unique, but there, there are so many. So let me ask, let me say this to you, Carol, because I mean, I'm, I probably wasn't concise in what I was asking you. So what I, what I, again, yeah, because what you, yeah, yeah, again, you were the wonderful step parent that, that was, that's a given, you know what I mean? You absolutely were that. And Jordan Peterson gave light to that. What I was pointing out was he was talking about, in general, how abusive, in comparison, step-parent situations are in compared to biological parents. And I was pointing out the reality for our community, specifically African-Americans who are, unfortunately, least married. The abuse goes even higher when you start looking at what we're typically doing. We're having our babies. We're not getting married. So I'm just saying the numbers go even higher. And, and, and the whole thing I was pointing out, that people that disparage marriage quite often will look at that same example we, or listen to that same example we just had and say, well, that's why I don't want to get married, without looking at the factors that, in general, it's, worse, it's much worse for children who've never, in general, who've not been involved in a marriage, if you will. So, right. you, so the, I hope I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be clear in what I'm asking or, what, you know, what are your thoughts on that because some people will still downplay marriage without realizing what we're doing in general as a black society, if you will, is actually more right. harmful than though than getting married, if you will. And I so I hope I'm making sense now. Yeah, you are. And I, I really do think that for for anybody, let me just make this very general. If you are questioning or don't want to get married, you will, you can find any reason to not get married. If you have been hurt before, if you've seen a bad marriage with your parents or in your, you know, your life, you can find any reason to say, I'm not getting married. It's very unfortunate that these children are, you know, kind of left at the mercy of their parents making these decisions. But, you know, there's no way that, um, and I hope I'm, I'm answering your question, but there's no way that Adrian would have married me if he even thought that I wouldn't treat his son correctly. So I put a lot of responsibility on the parents, and in our community, there are other factors, and this is a different show, but there are other factors that keep us from getting married, and we justify it. So, I, for me, I just well, think, let me say this to you real quick, and I'll know, let Aaron jump in. Let me say this: okay, what you just said to me is key. Is key. Just I want to throw this out real quick, in the sense of because you're saying you're kind of downplaying it. And I want to I want to highlight that the concept of as you said, Adrian wouldn't have if you were not a great mother, and that's. That's what's missing, in my opinion, in our decision to get married. That's not being considered. Will this person, or right, not right. even just to get married, but even worse, to have children. You know, marriage aside, set it aside. Too often, babies are getting brought in 
without figuring out is this a good parent? That's the biggest mistake. If 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 marriage is not disparaged, then marriage before children is a good thing culturally, in my opinion. So obviously I advocate for it. But I wanted to highlight the fact that you, what you just said that Adrian wouldn't have had you not been that. And I'm saying too many people are marrying significant others without the legacy, without the Absolutely. consideration for what type of parent. Or, you know, or even worse, not getting married but having babies with someone that they've not considered. Aaron, I know you yeah. have a lot to say about that, King. We uh, all get the break, so I'm going to I'm gonna do one break, and then we're coming to you, King. All right. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Aaron, any thoughts of kind of what I was trying to bring to the table in addition to what Jordan Peterson had said in the last cut, the idea of the the, the abuse that happens in step-parent situations, and I was just highlighting that in the community that's least married, that those numbers go up even higher as someone who's always looking at these stats. And, again, sometimes people will hear you, you know, even mention this kind of stuff and think you're saying all. We're just saying that in general, as as Jordan Peterson said, the aggregate shows in general these are better situations for children than, than what I say as a community we're typically doing. I'm a fan of your experience with your wife, you know what I mean? Like you talk about that, the advantage of having been married and what it means to, your, you know, your children, even though y'all did not stay, that's typically better than most baby mama, baby daddy situations. They're good ones of right. those too, but in generally not a lot. So go ahead, King. All right. So, um, I'm not going to say the abuse comes from this, but overall, a lot of the dysfunction after the child is born with a potential step-parent comes from lack of time and lack of resources. When a woman has a child and it doesn't work out with the, with the, with the guy and, you know, he's not necessarily around, uh, two things happen to a certain degree. One she has a lack of resources because she doesn't want, she doesn't have help. So for a certain amount of time, she can get to the point where she's just like, yo, man, I just need some help, you know, and a guy might come along and he wants to help. And she may not pay attention to the red flags about the way he raises his voice. The fact that she hasn't paid attention to how he uh, fathers his own Mm -hmm. kids whether he takes care mm-hmm. of them at all. Next thing you know, mm-hmm. it turns into an abusive situation, mainly because she had a problem or a deficit in resources, and she simply needed help, and he was the only person mm-hmm. that would step up. 
And the second part is time. Sometimes women, they may, you know, men also, they may feel like they're getting older and they're like, yo, I want to get married. Yo, I want to, you know, settle down with somebody. So they start pushing a narrative, you know, to the first, you know, to the first person who actually raises their hand like, yo, I want to marry you. Yeah, I want to do this. I want to, uh, you know, they start selling a woman dreams or whatever. And he may just be a guy who wants somewhere to stay. Or he, he, he may have a lack of resources. And he looks at her like, yo, she's getting older. I can get with her and she can, you know, be my, like, surrogate mom. And I got to deal with this little kid. I'm cool with that. Next thing you know, she gets with a guy mainly because she feels like she's getting too old and, um, you know, her, her options are changing. And she just gets with this guy because he's the only or one of the only candidates who actually says that he wants to marry her. And then he turns around and, you know, he's abusive to the kid because to a certain extent, he just wanted somewhere to stay. He just wanted to get with an older woman to, to, to have a quote-unquote uh, mommy, you know, because he has mommy issues or he has uh, emotional issues or whatever. And next thing you know, the person who takes the blunt of the problems of this guy who didn't really sign up to be a father is the child, and he ends up being abusive. So I think time and resources can be a huge issue with uh, the abuse of a stepchild. So I do agree with uh, what you played. And as I listen to Aaron Carroll, I want you to speak on it, but as I listen to him give more scenarios of how some of these things can come about, as I hear him, I start to think to myself, and those are the scenarios in which marriage is just a piece of paper when it's done incorrectly with, you know, from a lack of resources or from a place of lack is, or, or, or even focusing on just the paper. We always hear that example too, right, where some people are so focused on the, the paper and getting married that they, they, and they fail at the marriage itself. So there's a lot of perspectives out there, and, and again, there's no way to get it perfect, if you will, uh, for everyone, like there's nothing that's going to apply to everyone. Uh, but I, but again, I'm a big fan of some of what Emil said. That there's these steps that we can take that I think so right often we're not taking um, prior to children. And, and again, that's almost a, a separate issue. But I think it aptly applies to this conversation, which is why I brought it to the table. But any thoughts about what Aaron had to say, um, Carol? Yeah, I think you know. The biggest takeaway for me is people get married for all kinds of reasons, and and it's not always healthy, and it it might not look healthy to us, but for them it's a good decision. Some people get married for money. Some people get married so they can feel like they can legally have sex without being, you know, looked at negatively by society or God. Some people get married just for the security. Um, so. I don't know that it's fair to judge, but when you start bringing children into the situation and you start um, thinking about, you know, long-term, like I have a really good friend now. She's got four boys. She is divorced, and she she conducts interviews. This is what she's saying. I am in the process of conducting interviews, and one of the interview questions is, what are your finances like? I mean, this is upfront, and obviously this is after she has, you know, gotten to know the person enough to say, I like you enough to consider living my life with you as your wife. But then the next question is, what can you offer my boys? I mean, it's very upfront because why would you bring someone into a situation that, you know, mm-hmm. this is not an expectation right at the very beginning. So my biggest takeaway, was, yeah, was, was 
listen, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why healthy does not necessarily mean my healthy does not necessarily mean you're healthy. Um, but when it comes to children, it's kind of across the board. There are some prerequisites to bringing people together and, you know, for the sake of the children. Go ahead, Aaron. I think you have some thought. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, I, love, I, I, I was thinking the same thing, uh, Aaron. I thought I love it. Those are great questions for her to lead with. But I'll let you kind of jump in on that. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. Um, lack is one of the uh, main pitfalls to uh, – well, lack can easily put somebody in an abusive situation, whether they're abusing a child or whether – the man is abusing the woman or whether the woman is abusing the man. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. women abuse men uh, because the guy wants to leave or whatever, and she doesn't want him to leave because she needs him from a secure, I mean, from a security standpoint, fi- financial standpoint. So she may get violent because she doesn't want him to leave. Or a man may uh, not want the woman to leave, because he lacks something. Because I, I would say a lot of uh, abusive people are abusing because they're insecure about something. And the main reasons that uh, people as adults are insecure is usually money or they don't want to be alone. So when you add a kid into a dysfunction, dysfunctional relationship and one person doesn't want to leave, I mean, doesn't want the other person to leave, or they feel like they're going to lose out if the other person leaves, next thing you know, the kid gets hurt by that, and they're getting married or staying together for the absolute wrong reasons, because sadly, if it's a dysfunctional relationship, most likely it's because, or partly because of lack of uh, finances or lack of emotional intelligence. Nah, absolutely. I think you um, laid it out clearly. And let me ask, let me say this. I, I know I'm harping on this part of it, but I just kind of want to maybe just reiterate it one last time and just, you know, have you both kind of directly speak to it. But Cook, for, we definitely talked about this whole conversation. Is marriage just a piece of paper? A lot of different contexts. I will throw out for any callers that's on the line, you still can get in. We've got a few minutes left on the show. If you want to get in, you do have to press 1. To let us know. So if you're out there wanting to get in, you do have to press one to get in on this conversation. So to kind of just reiterate this concept of, for me, marriage and children, in a sense, go hand in hand. As I've already clearly stated, if you no children involved, cool, do it however you like. So is it fair for me, in y'all opinion, and Carol, I'll start with you, is it fair for me to say marriage with the idea that children in most cases will come from it or you want it to come from it. And so if that is your consideration in marriage, finding someone who will be a good parent to your child and figuring it out well before you have one, right? If, 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 if that's, if you want to have children, is it fair for me to say it's not just a piece of paper when I am also including it all, the, the the legal aspects between you and that significant other and the re, and the ease of which wealth can be passed down because I believe marriage also is wealth. 
So putting that hand to hand, is it fair for me to say marriage is not just a piece of paper when I am absolutely considering children almost in equal with the concept of marriage? Is that fair for me to say that, uh, Carol, in your opinion? It's fair for you to say it. Um, I And I think when it comes to, you know, if you're talking to 20 couples who are in premarital counseling, you're going to get several different reasons why they have decided to get that piece of paper. It, it, and if it involves children, the legacy part of it, I think, is much more intangible um, because I don't know how – I've never seen my parents' marriage certificate. And, um, you know, all I knew was that they said they were married and they lived together and they were great parents to us. Um, so then if you talk to 20 other couples who are not in premarital counseling and they are together and they have children – and it's a healthy environment, there's still that legacy of wealth because the children are able to see something healthy and functioning. So, you know, maybe it's not just about the piece of paper. Maybe it's the process. Right. Maybe it's the, you mm-hmm. know, it's the, the journey that you get exactly. to see between two people who, who are loving each other and making that commitment that is why at the beginning I said, yes, it's a piece of paper because if you you go to the courthouse and you get a piece of paper, goodness, there's so many other things that are involved in creating a home and a life, even if there are no children involved or you add children. There's so many other aspects, so many other decisions that you have to make together as a couple to make this family a healthy family and to leave a wealthy legacy for your children, Right. Absolutely. Aaron, um, is that fair for me to say? A lot of what Carol is saying is I'm inherently including in that the the paper brings the things that she's talking about that are, as she's pretty much saying, is more important than the paper itself. And I'm I'm definitely not reducing it to the paper itself. I am talking about the additional things that seem to be more important when that paper is in place, generally speaking, than when it's not. Not everybody. Rock and his wife, as he said, they're good without it. I'm not saying it happens to be for everybody, but in general, that paper brings a lot to the table in reference to legacy, whether it be money, whether it be in process, whether it be passing down the tradition like you mentioned earlier. It's more than a piece of paper from that perspective to me. Your thoughts to me as we close out this show. So the first thing I thought uh, when the queen was talking was process. And to a certain degree, unless it's something physical like a sport or, you know, uh, learning how to do something, uh, there is almost no process without paper first, okay? So what starts a process, like I said, without physical things is paper, you know? Um, And the thing about this, what makes the paper along with the process so special is that you don't marry everybody. You know, um, all most people, just like uh, for a certain exa- example, buying a house. The average person who has bought a house bought one house, and they remember wow. the experience of buying that house. 
And that buying a house started with an offer, which was on a piece of paper. You know, when you got an, uh, got an apartment, you got an, you did this and did that. But when you first got those keys in your hand when you left, you know, the court, because you had to sign all those pieces of paper, you know, you got to sign like six <laughs> all those papers. pieces of paper. Right. That That's an experience. You get that 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 key, those two keys, you're like, yo, I just bought a house. Yes. And that's the same thing with a marriage. You don't marry everybody. It's usually that one person, whether it uh, continues or whether it fails, and that person is going to be more special than anybody else that you've ever dated in your life. But it started with the paper. Hey, I want to marry you. Okay, the first thing you got to do in order to get married, you got to get a, a, a marriage license. So it starts with paper, and then the process begins. And along with the process, it's an experience. So without the experience, everything else is just whatever. So the process brings on an experience that is that makes that other person virtually irreplaceable in your memory. No, absolutely. We got about twenty seconds, if you will, King. Tell people how they can listen to your amazing podcast. Let it go, if you will. All right, my podcast is called Let It Go Podcast, and you can find it on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. And you can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Mr. Underscore Let Go, Mr. Underscore Let Go on Instagram. Thank you for having me, King. Uh, thank you very much, King. Thank you, Carol. Y'all were wonderful. I would highly recommend we're going to have an extension for those who are online, they have to catch it later, but for those who hear the replay, we're going to have an extension that really breaks down some of the things that we misunderstand from an individual standpoint of going into relationships. This piece is from Alan Day, Day Bolton. hope I'm saying his name correctly, but I definitely recommend that people stay on and listen if you're on the air with us right now. This is just be a nice ending and bow tie to this discussion this morning. Thank you all for listening. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Emotions. But the problem is we live in a romantic culture that privileges impulse. Now, when it comes to love, something tricky occurs because you don't have to be a paid-up believer in psychotherapy or psychoanalysis to realize that the way we love as adults sits on top of our early childhood experiences. And in early childhood, the way that we learned about love was not just via experiences of tenderness and kindness and generosity. The love that we will have tasted as children will also be bound up with experiences of being let down, being humiliated, maybe being with a parent who uh, treated us very harshly, who scolded us, who made us feel small in some way. In other words, quite a lot about our early experiences of love are bound up with various kinds of suffering. Now, something quite bad happens when we start to go out into the adult world and start to choose love partners. We think we're out to find partners who will make us happy, but we're not. We're out to find partners who will feel familiar. And that may be a very different thing, because familiarity may be bound up with particular kinds of torture. And this explains why sometimes um, people will say to us, look, there's a wonderful person, you should go and date them, they're, 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 they're good-looking, they're charming, they're all sorts of things. And we go out with them and we date them. And we do recognize that they're, they're really wonderful and amazing. But we have to confess to our partners, that, to, to our friends, that actually we found this person, often we struggle with the vocabulary. We say, 
maybe not that exciting or maybe not sexy or a bit boring. But really what we mean is that we've detected in this really quite accomplished person someone who will not be able to make us suffer in the way that we need to suffer in order to feel that love is real. And that's why we reject them. So we are not merely on a quest to be happy. We are on a quest to suffer in ways that feel familiar. And this radically undermines our capacity to find a, a good partner. Here's another reason why we're going to come unstuck in the field of love. We tend to believe that the more a lover is right for us, the less we're going to have to explain about who we are, how we feel, what upsets us, what we want. We believe, rather as a young child believe of its parent, that a true lover will guess what is in our minds. One of the great errors that human beings make is permanently to feel that other people know what's in their minds without us having said what's in our minds. It's very cumbersome to use words. It's such a bore. And when it comes to love, we have this deep desire that will simply be understood wordlessly. It's touching. It's a beautiful, romantic idea. But it also leads to a catastrophic outbreak of sulking. Now, what is sulking? Sulking is an interesting phenomenon. We don't just sulk with anyone. We sulk with people who we feel should understand us, and yet, for some reason, have decided not to. And that's why we tend to reserve our sulks for people who we love and who we think love us. And they tell us something, you know, they unwittingly will trigger a negative reaction in us. And we'll sulk. And they'll say, what's wrong with you, darling? And we'll say, nothing. And they'll say, but come on, you're upset. And we'll go, no, I'm not. I'm absolutely fine. And it's not true. And we'll go upstairs and we'll shut the door. And we won't tell them what's wrong with us. And then they'll knock at the door and they'll say, please, just tell me. And we'll say no, because we want them to read our souls. Because we expect that a true lover can understand what we feel and who we are without us speaking. This is a catastrophe for our capacity to form lasting relationships. If you do not explain, you can never be understood. The root to a good marriage and to good love is the ability to become a good teacher. Now, teaching sounds like a narrow profession. Those guys in tweed jackets and fussy with a, with a chalkboard, etc. I'm not talking about that kind of teaching. All of us, whatever our job aspirations, whatever it is we do, have to become teachers. Now, teaching is merely the words that we give to the skill of getting an idea from one head into another in a way that is likely to be accepted. And most of us are appalling teachers. Most of us teach when we're tired, when we're frightened. What are we frightened of? We're frightened we've married an idiot. And because we're so frightened, we start screaming at them. You've got to understand. And the thing is that, unfortunately, by the time you've started to humiliate the person you want to understand something less than over, you will never get anyone to understand what you want them to understand so long as you make them feel small. In order to teach well, you need to be relaxed. You need to accept that maybe your partner won't understand. Um, and also, you need a culture within a couple that two people are going to need to teach each other and therefore also learn from one another. And this brings me to the next reason why you're going to have a very unhappy relationship, probably. And that is because you probably believe that when somebody tries to tell you something about yourself that's a little ticklish and a little uncomfortable, they are attacking you. They're not. They're trying to make you into a better person. And we don't tend to believe that this has a role in love. We tend to believe that true love means accepting the whole of us. It doesn't. No one should accept the whole of us. We're appalling. Really, you want the whole of you accepted? No, that's not love. The, the, the full display of our characters, the full articulation of who we are, should not be something that we do in front of anyone that we care about. Um, so what we need to do uh, is, is to accept that the other person is going to want to educate us 
and that it isn't a criticism. Criticism is merely the wrong word that we apply to a much nobler idea, which is to try and make us into better versions of ourselves. But we tend to reject this idea uh, very strongly.